Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. It's Thursday, January 18, 2024. For our frequency listeners in Northeast Wisconsin, I see this, Mary. Right now, the temperature is at zero. But it's going to be warming up to a nice, balmy mm. 14 above zero today. Wow. So uh, we got the a chance for snow again tonight and tomorrow. So. We'll get those uh, electric vehicles started. So finally, those so. Li- listening around the world on Q90FM.com slash listen, hope you're staying warm. Mary Danielson here with a fresh new podcast. Yes, good morning. Uh, we have Dave Jenkins on today. And I, I truly believe that he has a message we all need to hear from time to time. And that is about contentment, uh, endurance, and tough times. And we have a lot to talk about with that. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. His book, Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime, is what we're going to uh, be moving through this morning. So uh, let's read a scripture as always, and then we will pray together. My scripture today is Psalm 130, 1 to 6. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. What great verses. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, how wonderful it is to be able to come boldly before your your throne uh, with our needs and our struggles and our praises, Lord, uh, because of the work of your Son on our behalf. We thank you for the grace that teaches our hearts both to fear and to lead us home when our fears are relieved through such a great salvation. We thank you for our guest today, Dave, and we ask that you continue uh, for continued fruit for the kingdom for wisdom for him, for opportunities to share the hope that is in him for many open doors. We lift up his loved ones as well for good health and protection and for all needs to be met according uh, to our provision that we have in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Dave Jenkins, he's a writer, editor, and speaker. He serves as the executive director of Servants of Grace Ministries the executive editor of Theology for Life magazine and host and producer of Equipping You in Grace podcast. He's also a contributor to and producer of Contending for the Word. He's the author of The Word Explored, The Problem with Biblical Literacy and What to Do About It. And then The Word Matters, Defending Biblical Authority Against the Spirit of the Age. And then, like I said, Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime, which is what we're looking at today. Servantsofgrace.org is the website. Dave, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Mary, it's such a pleasure to be with you for the first time. Yeah, well, uh, and, I, and, yeah. go ahead. I know you've been on before. I think you were on with David one other time. Yes, yeah. yes. It, yeah. But it's a privilege to be with you and uh, with the Standing Up for the Truth audience. So thank you so much. Yes, yes. Um, tell us a bit about what the listener can find at Servants of Grace, because obviously there's you've just been uh, doing a lot of, of heavy lifting for the kingdom as far as the word goes and biblical literacy. What will people find at the website? Um, articles, podcasts, what, what's there? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have over 300 writers from all over the all over the world. We have a plethora of podcasts for from the pastor, uh, director of the pastor, to the biblical counselor, to you know apologetics. So we deal with false teaching ideologies mm-hmm. that raise themselves against the knowledge of God to mm-hmm. help people you know take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Um, we like you guys. Uh, we do interviews and uh, try to hit uh, the important topics. We have a digital magazine. Um, theology for life and with this book actually now we have a publishing company so you know i joke i joke and jest maybe the next thing is a conference i don't know we'll see what the <laughs> lord would have us do in his providence but yeah yeah we stay we my wife and i we stay plenty busy uh working for the lord and uh for his glory and honor alone and mm-hmm. for the building up of the church so mm-hmm. um that's what you'll that's that's what you'll find lots of content um 20 almost 24 years of content so mm-hmm. yeah, you can just have at it you know it's all free Great. So, you know, we put it out there for free and uh, we just want to serve and, and help the people of God. So yeah. that, that's a little bit about what we're doing. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And it's, there's a lot of meaty stuff here. It, it's not the shallow end of the pool. That's for sure. A lot of great content. So I would encourage people again, servantsofgrace.org. And talking about contentment, Davis, do we ever need a book like this today? A lot of people I have found and people tell me they're coping with a lot of different trials and difficulties and when I think about uh, the brevity of life, and at my age, this is this is fairly daily, um, and about believers that I've known who've gone on to be with the Lord, I think, well, you know, some had short seasons with Christ and others 40, 50 years or more where they've had all manners and seasons, you know, times of joy, times of sometimes deep darkness, uh, mind-numbing difficulties that don't get resolved. Uh, they almost It's almost like some of our struggles walk walk along with us as companions after a while to remind us that we're weak and and he is strong. So wouldn't it be great, uh, what I'm trying to say is if we would get saved and just go home to be with the Lord, but it usually doesn't work that way. And so we enter into that new life. We really don't know what's ahead. At first, all we know is what we've left behind. So Dave, what's a pilgrim to do in these anxious times? Kick us off here. I know you start the book out talking about Pilgrim's Progress and John Bunyan. So just lay a little foundation for us, if you would. Yeah, you know, uh, John Bunyan um, was an amazing man. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, uh, said of him, "If you cut him, he'll bleed bubbly." Now he's he's not literally saying cut him, and yeah. you know he's going to bleed the Bible. Okay, so just to clarify that, <laughs> but uh, you know, it meant that he was so saturated in the Word. He was called mm-hmm. the Tinker's Preacher. And so uh, his preaching was, uh, I don't want to say revered, but highly thought of and highly sought after, even among some of the illuminaries of his time, like John Owen and, and many others would love to be able to sit down and hear from somebody like, you know, Owen. And, and you know, we know that uh, maybe maybe your listeners don't know, but Pilgrim's Progress is is a second best sold um, book next to the, wor- the word of God. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it is uh, a great summary um, of the Christian life, but it's an allegory. It's a story. Um, and so it's a journey um, that, uh, you know, Christian um, that, that Bunyan writes about in, in that in Pilgrim's Progress. He takes uh, Christian from his home um, and takes him to the Slav Despond where, where he's just really discouraged and, and doubting the Lord. And um, he takes him along the journey. And then he, when he gets off the journey, he gets distracted. Now, who doesn't identify with that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then and then there's a guy named Evangelist in the story. And what Evangelist does is he reminds him of the truth of the gospel. Now, raise your hand if you need a friend who, to remind you about what Christ did for you. Yeah. Um, everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So, so then he also encounters... Um, you know, interpreter and interpreter helps him 
um, well, I should back up here. Uh, he, he encounters the, on the, on the journey, he kindly realizes about the righteousness of God in Christ alone, and then his bags drop off. Uh, because he's wearing a backpack, and so his backpack falls off, which is symbolic of him actually becoming a child of God in in the in this uh, story. And then you know he meets interpreter, he meets uh, he, so he learns how to read and study the Bible. Um, he encounters Apollyon, where he learns about spiritual warfare, and all of this is uh, on the way to the celestial city that the, the you know um, heaven. Um, and so really the allegory, uh, the, the point of it and why it's so powerful for people is it describes really the Christian life in between what we would call the times, you know, mm-hmm. the times that Christ started when he said in John 1930, it is finished and the time when, um, you know, Christ will return. And really, uh, it describes the life in between those two times, we could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, that's, that's the beauty of this story. And, um, so when I when I started thinking about uh, this story, I thought, man, what better way to frame this um, this idea of contentment? Because really, what, what contentment is by definition, it is a disposition of the heart. Um, and so, do we have peace with God? Um, we have peace with God. Romans five one says, through the you know the death of Christ. And so, um, you know, when, like I quoted, John nineteen thirty is finished. Um, that's that's how we have this peace. But Paul will talk about in Philippians four this practical peace that's being uh, that is ours because we're united to Christ by faith mm-hmm. and we're indwelt by the Spirit. And that peace is to become more um, evident, more real, if you will, um, as we walk out this walk of faith um, in communion with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Um, you know, I, I'll just say this at the outset. I, I, when I started writing this book, I realized that, um, that I have really struggled with, and I, when I talk about this in the book, I struggle with contentment. And what I, what I realized in writing this is I struggle with this idea of contentment pretty much my whole life. Now, ouch, you know? So this was, this was not, um, I, I've been saying this book was not hard content or substance wise. This book for me was an application project. And so Mm. that was really hard Mm. um, because what I realized as I, especially as we talk about Philippians four, we have, we have the ability to do all the things that, that Paul talks about there and in, and in other places because of what I mentioned earlier, where, you know, you're united to Christ by faith. We have the spirit. If you're in Christ, if you're in the Lord, if you're in him, those are phrases that refer to our union with Christ, our identity in Christ, if you will. And so, but what I realized really was, is that um, I was really, in a lot of ways, just self-sufficient. And, and Paul even has something to, to say about that, you know, in verse 13 of that p- chapter. He's countering our tendency to self-sufficiency. Um, and, and that's, that's a really important thing. But for me, what I, what I realized is the reason I didn't have practical peace is because I needed to rest more. And I, and it took me back to a conversation um, when I was in, when I was doing a lot of things in the local church uh, when we lived in Idaho. And one of the deacons said to me, Dave, make sure that you enjoy your union with Christ. And, um, you know, when we moved uh, from um, 
southern Idaho, so Boise area to Southern California, um, I didn't have that. I didn't have that support network that I had, and so I kept thinking about that idea: Am I enjoying my union with Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I doing at that? And then it led to a whole bunch of other questions, and just <laughs> the realization that, man, I'm really. And, and around this time, I'm I'm starting to work on this topic, and so the Lord really worked me over in a lot of ways. Um, and like, like I realized, um, as I w- was coming to the title, the best way to describe contentment is really like the subtitle says, it's a journey of a lifetime. Yeah. Meaning that, and, and I just want to be clear, it is possible to have contentment in, in, because of the, like we talked, like I just said about the peace of God and that peace of God being made real. That, that's the, that's the, that's the overarching right. idea of contentment. But, the reality of it is still being worked into our lives. And so we're never going to yeah. get there until we go to be with yeah, the Lord. But that's such a great way to put it. And in the book, uh, there's a, a definition of contentment. And I don't remember who said this, so I apologize for that. But you may you may know off the top of your head. That sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Wow, that's loaded, but it is so true. And so when I think of contentment, um, I think of First Timothy 6, 6 to 10. You know, godliness with contentment is great gain. And boy, if that definition is contentment, that really... Uh, would be great gain because he says we brought nothing into this world. Here's the context and we can take nothing out. So basically what is there left? It's not stuff. You know, it's not idolatry. It's just like you said, our union with Christ really is all that there is. And so that's a good start. But, but Dave, there are things that hinder our contentment because uh, I ran across a social media post. Uh, some recently, just a couple of days ago, some people were discussing contending for the faith and some, some verses that were tough to hear about sin and false teaching. And somebody jumped in and said, you Christians are so negative. It should all be about joy. It shouldn't be about sin and trouble. You make people feel guilty. You know, that's, that's what Christians do best. Um, it should, they should be happy people. And I said, well, we, you know, we, if we didn't talk about sin and people falling short, how would they ever, you know, feel the weight of their sin or come to the end of themselves. And I'm afraid that the church really thinks that it's all about how we feel and it's all about just being joyful whether we are or not. Um, So what are some of the things that hinder uh, contentment? Um, Let's talk about anxiety and depression and things like that. Or what do you think hinders? What what derails us from being content? Is it our childhood issues or what, what would those things be? Yeah, you know, these are, these are really good questions, but at, the main thing that you're alluding to, I think, is actually a great hindrance to having real contentment. And as you're alluding to, it starts with our theology. Mm. What, what do we believe about mm. God? Do we trust and believe his word? And, and even the larger issue is, are we, are we taking that word home mm-hmm. and are we functionally, uh, applying it to our life and to our ministry and to our, to our teaching over mm. and against you know, we would say um, theological liberalism, which is so mm-hmm. rampant today. It's a huge issue, but it, and it and it really shows up actually in the issue of emotions, because too many pe- too many Christians today are driven um, by a what we call a theology from below, which is where your theology and scripture run on the same train tracks, if you will, mm. um, instead of a theology from above where we have the word of God as the center place, the inspired, inerrant, sufficient, clear, and authoritative and binding word. 
Um, and so that that is a big issue because when you place your feelings at the level of objective truth, you know, the standard that we have in the authoritative word, that's where you're going to always have a problem. And and we all do it from various times. We mm-hmm. we wonder why why are we discouraged? Why are we anxious? Why are we um, you know struggling? Well. The question that you have, you have to do some assessment. And, and this is, by the way, this isn't navel gazing. This is second Corinthians 13, five. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Um, examine me. The, the idea isn't even the idea is there is how are you really doing? And this is why we have to take the truth home. We have to ask questions like, why am I so anxious? Why am I so discouraged? Why, um, what, how am I doing at rest? Um, you know, we're not meant to work all the time. Uh, we have to take time, you know, to rest. We have to observe, you know, whatever your view is, you still have to have a day off, you know, to honor the Lord and to spend with him. Okay. Whatever your view of the Sabbath is, the, the, the point is, is that you have a day off and you honor the Lord, uh, preferably at, uh, uh, on the Lord's Day, so Sunday, um, you know, with God's people in your local church under a biblically qualified male pastor, um, just to be clear there, mm-hmm. um, and gathering with, you know, the, the fellowship of God's people. And so how else are you going to fight, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, the, the distractions and, and everything that happened? Um, you know, y- you not only need the, the church, but you need... Uh, others in the church to be coming alongside of you and speaking um, into your into your life Um, you know that's why I'm an advocate of daily Bible reading you know five to ten minutes every day getting into God's word not out of duty but of delight in the Lord and and in um, you know because of who he is and you know the Psalms talk about this delight in the Lord you know Um, and and so it's delight it's not a duty it's it is a duty but it's a delight what i call a delightful duty um and so that's that's the personal side of things and that's the corporate side of things now now how do we fight the distractions well we need to talk about what is the lord doing through his word um and this is where we can turn to a chapter like john 16 and and we can see what jesus says about the holy spirit he he talks about how the holy spirit is convicting us of the truth uh, we know that Jesus sent, said in, um, in the upper room discourse running from John 13 through, uh, 16 there that, uh, he, he would send the, the Holy Spirit, the comforter so that not only is the Spirit going to convict you with the word, he's also going to comfort you. Mm-hmm. And those are two, those are two very important things. So mm-hmm. when we, when we do get distracted, that the Lord is going to convict us. Uh, that's not a, that's, that this, the new people get very scared as Christians. And, and they, they, they run away from that. Well, that's, that's why you, that's why you might struggle with, um, things like, you know, guilt and shame and, and bitterness and, and why, um, many Christians struggle with assurance because maybe you're running away from the very thing that, that God has said, this is for your good. This is what I'm doing in your life. Mm -hmm. And so don't run away from conviction. Instead, view it as a blessing. God is loving you so much because of Christ that he's, Mm -hmm. he's, He's exposing your sin and helping you to see see where you're at and to uh, help you assess that um, because he's the sovereign of the universe, right? He's mm-hmm. the one who knows you. He's the one who sees your heart. Um, he knows your motivation. He knows your the hairs on your head. You can't fake mm-hmm. him out. He's everywhere at all times, and he knows all things. And so this is this is the Lord, and that's a good thing. But 
He's also going to comfort you. And if that's not enough for you, even in the midst of everything that's happening right now, you have one in Jesus, the high priest, whoever lives, <laughs> the Bible says, to make intercession for you. Um, and he is summoning you, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, before his throne of grace, First uh, John uh, uh, 2, 1 through 2 says that Jesus is your advocate. So, you know, this is this is some good theology for you to lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. But to to fight, you know, the distractions, the things that happen, we really, we really have to do what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 1. We have to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And who doesn't need to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's so easy when you turn on the news, right? When you turn on your news feed on Facebook or, you know, X now, it was Twitter or Instagram or on and on. And you, and you go in these Facebook groups like you were just talking about and you see these, these comments from people or you watch, you know, false teacher videos and you see what's happening and what people are saying. And, and it's so, it's so discouraging, and it, and it and you know what I'm there I'm right there with you. You know, mm-hmm. um, as somebody who is on the front lines talking out against false teaching and and worldview issues, it is incredibly discouraging. But that's why, and and I often talk with my friends. Um, we encourage each other that that do that kind of work. I'm always saying, brother, sister, don't forget, don't forget. How are you doing at your Bible reading? Mm-hmm. How are you doing at your local church attendance? How are you doing at doing life with God's people? Sometimes mm-hmm. the best thing is just to unplug and, and to get away and just to realize, hey, I don't have to be on this, this medium. I don't mm-hmm. have to be, um, connected all the time. Right. I, I don't have to be on my, mm-hmm. on my smartphone all the time, um, checking and getting mm-hmm. updates. And sometimes maybe, maybe if we're honest, maybe you need to delete that app. Yeah. And and just realize, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't good for me. I yeah. can't I can't handle it. It's actually hindering my walk with God. If that's the case, ple- I I would just plead with you: yeah. delete your tw- delete uh, X off your phone, delete Facebook off your phone, delete Instagram off your phone. You know, get off. I wish I I'll be I'll be frank with your listeners. I wish I wasn't even on social media. The yeah. only reason I'm on social media is because I'm an author, yeah. and authors have to be on social yeah. media, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where. Um, you know, it's, it's a personal thing, it, but it's, it's, it's the, here, here, the, here, the principle, here, the principle there that, um, you need to take the time to ask yourself, take yourself in the hand, ask yourself, why am I anxious? And maybe that means that you need to go talk to a biblical counselor. Maybe that means that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to go talk to your, uh, if you're a guy, you need to talk to your a pastor. Or maybe if you're a lady, you need to talk to, um, you know, the women's ministry leader at your local church. Mm-hmm. Or you need to talk to the pastor's wife or, or a seasoned friend, a trustworthy friend. And, yeah. and, and I just want to say that just one thing about that really quick. That when I say trusted, trustworthy friend, I mean, are they biblically solid? Are they going to point you to the truth? Right. And are they going to be theologically solid where they, they can actually provide help to you? They can walk you through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, contentment, contentment looks what we could look, talk about that a, a lot, but it, it God, one of my mentors said that God is hand tailoring the, the situations of our lives. And so mm-hmm. understanding how, how the, the Lord is at work. He, John Piper once said that God is doing a thousand things and we might see one, <laughs> one of those uh, things that he's doing. But it's that one thing, right? If we're honest, that, that can help us, um, in the midst of all these things yeah. that are happening in our life and yeah. 
to to see and to to know that hey we're we're remembering like the Israelites were supposed to right we're remembering the Lord we're remembering His word we're remembering His work we're we're looking back but we're also looking ahead yeah. to where He's had and there's nothing wrong with that that's not navel gazing that's yeah. that's actually what we're supposed to do. Well, Dave, you um, talk you talk about. Um, you know, the, the times of life, cause we are all going through seasons. You could be in your, your twenties and thirties trying to figure out what life is about. You could be in that childbearing age, which has its own, you got young kids, you got your own set of difficulties and life itself brings, brings seasons that make us hopefully look up and realize that we can't depend on ourselves really for anything in this life. God is at work, but you kind of alluded to something. We have about five minutes in this particular segment about the chastening that God employs. And I, I, I just want to mention sometimes, you know, and it is unpleasant, but the Bible says that those he loves, he disciplines. And if we're not chastened, we might really have something to be depressed about down the road. Um, and so when we counsel others that are in a dark place or when pastors counsel others, it might be tempting to try and make them feel better. But really, we... How do you not get in God's way, basically? Like you said, you need to have a biblical knowledge. The people that counsel you need to understand the Bible. And how can we encourage people and and comfort them as a body, um, but also to discern whether they are actually being disciplined by God and to, to look deeply to see if there's something, you know, if, we, if we've lost that fear of God or, or if we just were in, in an idolatrous thing, how can the church help people without getting in God's way to accomplish what God wants to do? Well, I think we have to ask them, you know, as they come to us, we have to ask them the question, um, you know, as we as we get to know them, as we obviously have those conversations, what, where are the areas in which you're tempted? Um, mm-hmm. Is it with pornography? Well, I mean, you know, and, and re- we need to remember, by the way, that we're talking about our fellowship with God being interrupted. We're mm-hmm. not talking about our security with God. Right. A lot of people get that confused. Right. Um, we're talking about our fellowship with God being interrupted. That's why we ne- have a need to confess, as First John 1 says, our, our sins to the Lord, and he is faithful and just to forgive us. Um, so, so asking and, and asking questions. Okay, so is it pornography? Okay, well, um, you know, then we, then we need to talk about how do you fight against temptation? What is purity? What is God's holiness? How do we live before the face of God? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, this is a, then a different question if it's anxiety. Why are, are you anxious? Is it because money is tight? Um, so are you, how are you doing it? You're budgeting. Um, maybe you need to look at getting a different job. Um, you know, or, or on, on and on, you know, to, to help provide for your family. Maybe your spouse needs to get a job. How, how is that going to look like? And, and we have to, we have to think about and listen. What is the root cause? We have to get to the root cause. We, we too often, um, in, in, in the church today, I think we have this idea of, okay, here's the theology, but then we don't take that theol- that good theology that we've talked about today already, and we don't take it and we don't apply it. And it's the applying it, you have lots of people who have lots of theological knowledge out there, mm-hmm. but, but the most theologically literate people are often, in my experience, being in ministry for 24 years, they're, they're the least able to, to uh, take this knowledge and apply it. And, and we have to, as ministry leaders, uh, even pastors or Bible teachers, women's leaders, we have to help people not only to be equipped in, with good theology, but we have to help them learn how to take themselves by the hand with that theology 
and and apply it and and this is i think one of the best ways that we this would be a biblical counseling approach and biblical counseling is just simply um it's a form of discipleship it's a one-on-one type ministry you know where we're reminding each other it's a focused ministry so so there's a difference between you know walking with somebody and you know just in discipling them this is a very uh formal kind of process that biblical discipleship is but it is an extension we could say of discipleship mm-hmm. and so so that's really important you, and you don't have to be you don't have to be certified to be a biblical counselor you can be certified but I, but i also just want to say you know to the person that is struggling with anxiety you know there might be a time we, we first have to say where you need to assess yourself with the word of god we would absolutely say that first but they're also in God's con- common grace. Sometimes you might need to go to the doctor because you're struggling with sleep and those kind of things and, and th- those kind of things. But we first want to go to what God's word has to say um, about those things. And then we then we, um, you know, ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that would be a good way just for people to think through and ask the questions. How am I really doing myself? How am I yeah. doing it? Taking God's word home, and do I need additional help, um, or or am I, you know, good here? And it doesn't hurt to have those conversations. I- yeah, yeah. Dave, we got to take a break here. Um, we are talking to Dave Jenkins today here on Stand Up for the Truth in his book Contentment: The Journey of a Lifetime. Servantsofgrace.org. You can also find the book there. You can purchase that for yourself. We're talking about contentment, and I want to talk about suffering in the next part, and I want to talk about Philippians 4. So uh, we'll be gone for two minutes, but stay with us for the second half. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for this uh, Thursday. I almost forgot what day it was. Thursday, January the 18th, and we are speaking with Dave Jenkins, and he is the author of Contentment, The Journey of a Lifetime, and I'm really glad for that subtitle there because that is absolutely true. Um, and the website is ServantsOfGrace.org. And I want to just uh, real briefly, uh, Dave, before we jump into Philippians 4, because that is the, that is the meat of the book here, um, uh, in the intro to the book, you actually say um, believers don't know if they should reach out and say that they're anxious or depressed or struggling. And sometimes it makes them feel like they have a lack of faith um, or they're a failure somehow. And we talked about how the church can be equipping. And also the thing that came up while we were on the break here is Proverbs twelve twenty five. Uh, it mentions depression. It says anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. So there you have it right there. People say the Bible doesn't uh, address that. It does. And then it says, but a good word makes it glad. Dave, your thoughts on that? And then we can just launch into Philippians, the be anxious for nothing, um, uh, chapter four of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the, actually, the, that's a good passage, uh, Proverbs, uh, yeah, Proverbs 12:25. But, you know, throughout the, throughout the Psalms, we can say, you know, the, the Psalmist says in Psalm 42, 11, why are you cast down, O my soul? Mm-hmm. And why are you in turmoil with me? Notice what he says now. Hope in God, for mm-hmm. I shall again praise him, my mm-hmm. salvation and my God. And you, and you see this, that, that all throughout the Psalms, the psalmist is downcast. He's discouraged, yeah. you know. And then what does he do? He takes himself, like we were talking about, by the hand. He even asked himself a question there. Why yeah. are you in turmoil 
within me. Then he, then he's taking himself by the hand and he says, hope in God for I shall again praise him, mm-hmm. my salvation and my God. And you see this throughout the entire book of Psalms. That's why we have to assess ourselves biblically with God's word. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we need to go, as I said, then to, you know, the, in God's common grace, he gives us doctors. A lot of people will go the opposite direction. They'll immediately go to doctors and they won't go to God's word. Mm. And that, that causes a big problem because that undermines the sufficiency of scripture. It's mm. a, it's actually a very large issue today, but we have to ask ourselves questions that, that God's word gives us. So like, you know, why are you, why, what was causing you personally for it not to be well, as that great hymn says, mm-hmm. um, why is it not well with my soul? Yes. Why, why are you being prone soul to wander from the God you say you love? You know, we say that we love the Lord, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's always a matter of application. It's not just, the Bible is not only concerned with giving us doctrine, which is teaching, but it's also concerned with how are we doing, you know, and, and going to that famous uh, chapter, as we will, uh, in verse 9 of Philippians 4, it, it says that we're supposed to practice these things. James one twenty two, mm. uh, don't be hearers only, but doers of the word. So there is a practicing, you know, Ephesians 5, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So God is concerned not only with you knowing the good theology, but he's concerned with you applying that theology. And it's the applying of the theology where we get to contentment. Now, remember what we said about contentment at the beginning. Contentment is a disposition of the heart. We have peace with God through the death of Christ. That peace is being made real in our lives, in our experience, through the ministry of the Spirit, because we're united to Christ by faith in his name. And so so Paul actually goes here in verse 2, uh, excuse me, in verse 1 of Philippians 4, when he says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, Notice what he says here, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Mm. This is a church that Paul loved dearly. He has a theme that he's writing. He never corrects this church. He's writing from prison, but he has a theme of joy. He wants them to find joy in the Lord. This this phrase, uh, I think I mentioned this, in the Lord, in him, in Christ, is used in Paul's uh, epistles just so that we know this, when you see that phrase, you, you should think of yourself as a Christian because that's mm-hmm. you. If, if you're, if you belong to Christ by faith, you repented and put your trust and hope in Christ, you belong to Christ. Uh, oh, so I ask, I'm going to ask this question. Do, are, have you done that? Have you repented and believed and put your hope and trust in Christ? Or are you outside of Christ? And so you need to repent and believe because you have, if you haven't done that, you have no peace with God Great. and, and you're pursuing, you know, as, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, you're pursuing the vanity of life. And, and, you know, this mm-hmm. is why we have to, we have to talk about this because, if I, if I don't at least mention that, we can't really get to the, the heart of what Paul is saying. And he's writing to Christians. He's writing to encourage this church that he dearly loves. And so this phrase in the Lord is really, it's really, uh, full of gospel, gospel hope. Um, and, and, uh, so then in verse, uh, if we jump down to verse four, of uh philippians he says rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice verse five let your reasonableness be known to everyone and then he says something really really 
fascinating. I, I don't know if people really camp on this um, or, or or they've thought about this, but Paul says there at the end of verse 5, the Lord is at hand. Mm. Think with me about that for a second. How many times have you heard a Christian, and I've heard many Christians say, just suggest this, you know, the Lord isn't interested in me. The Lord, I don't know if the Lord cares about me in this situation. Um, I don't know what's, what's happening with my finances. So I'm, I'm really concerned that the Lord doesn't really care about me, um, in this specific situation. And they may not say it that way, but it's, it's definitely implied, you know, because they're struggling. They're mm-hmm. struggling in their emotions to believe the truth. But what Paul is doing here is he's reminding us that the Lord is at hand. That means that he's near, and we need to remember mm-hmm. that that we use this word eminence this to describe this. The Lord is near; He cares, He sees, He knows everything. But we also use the word immutable. God is unchanging, so God is not only near, but He's unchanging. What mm-hmm. this means is uh, this is a good thing because this God who's come near to us in Christ, you know, born under the sentence of death. In the incarnation, he's come to die. Matthew one twenty one, uh, for us. He said that it is it, it is finished. He's given us new life in His name. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us hope and meaning and value and purpose. This is a God who says that He's near. Yeah, and we we have to we have to understand this because if you if you just skip over that and you miss that phrase, what you're going to miss is the if you will, you know, you have to to charge your phone, right? You have to plug it in um, to charge your laptop. You have to plug it in. If you don't plug something in, guess what? You have no power supply. This, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that this is really a, a linchpin to what Paul wants to say and what Paul is going to say to this church, to us. So if we don't pause and really think hard and long about the Lord's nearness and how he, how he cares about us, we're going to miss we're really going to, we, we all want to read verse six, right? Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then, of course, verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, I mentioned earlier, verse seven, the peace of God is, that's the peace that's being worked out into our lives. Mm-hmm. And so we have to just ask very honestly, how are you doing it at, understanding that the lord is with you yeah. you know we talked about you know we talked about being under the father's uh discipline just a minute ago but but even there don't you understand that in the prodigal son story what the father does is he runs and it's a yeah. picture of jesus and how he runs to us in john 10 jesus says he leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep this this is what the lord is doing even in discipline and even in church discipline what the church is to do is they aren't to leave that person right. they're to pursue that person because jesus is pursuing them yeah yeah and this is the lo- same lord who does that who is coming after us because he's near. And so it's not just, okay, don't just be anxious about anything, but understand that the Lord is near. Mm -hmm. He's given you every single resource available. You know, the the God who made you, the God who created you, the God who knows you, he, he, Paul says, and this blows my mind, really, in Ephesians 1, it's from verse 3 to the end of the chapter. In the the original Koine in Greek, it's one long... 
uh, sentence, actually. It's basically a long run-on sentence. And there Paul talks about the superabounding grace of God that, that is ours in Christ. And so just think about think about all the different ways in which we've already talked about how God is making himself, how, how he's brought himself near to you, how he's at hand, how he's come near to you, his unchangeable promise. Um, 2 Corinthians one twenty says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Yeah. Right? David, it's all, so, it, this is all just really encouraging. And I, I, I think that um, the Bible says, you know, he's near to the brokenhearted. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Uh, draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And we... This is where faith comes in because we aren't going to feel this at a given time. If you're going through a period of suffering and nothing is making any sense and it never ends, it feels like prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, that's very subjective. It's not necessarily the truth. Uh, we shouldn't trust our feelings at times like that because I'm telling you, Dave, if you live long enough in this walk with the Lord and in this prison planet that we're in, you will go through the dark night of the soul and it is dark. You feel like the next step is off of a cliff. People go through that sort of thing. And this particular, uh, verse here that says the Lord is at hand, five words that, um, we need to remember by faith because if, if ever present help in time of trouble isn't true, then none of the Bible is true, right? You can't just cherry pick what you're going to believe. So how does, how, um, comment on how faith comes in here when, when it doesn't seem that way. I mean, here's a prison epistle and it's all about joy. You're in a, you're in a prison of some sort and it's all about having joy. And that is counterintuitive to our flesh. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, in verse, in verse eight at the, at the end, he talks about think. Think about these things, mm-hmm. you know, mm. the things is honorable, just, pure, lovely, yeah. commendable, anything of excellence. The word think actually there, what, what you may not, your listeners may not know is that actually Paul is talking about biblical meditation, mm. which is not emptying your mind. It's filling your mm. mind. It's a Psalm one thing. It's a matter of, Hey, here's, here's the truth of God's word. Are you chewing on it? Are you taking it? Are you meditating on it? Like Psalm one says day and night. You know, um, and, and we can do that very practically. We just open our Bibles. We read it. Uh, even if you read, by the way, one verse, one verse. OK. And you take that and you chew it over. You think about what does this mean? You know, what is this? What is the writer saying? What does this mean? And then you ask yourself, um, am I living in light of the truth that I just read or am I not? Am I am I taking that word and trusting what the Lord has done? Yeah. Or, or am I, or am I not? Like Second Corinthians one twenty, great verse. Am I taking in light of Second Corinthians one twenty, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ? Am I taking the truth of Scripture? Then we ask the question based on the text. Am I taking the truth of that passage, Second Corinthians one twenty, and am I believing the promises of God that He, like we've talked about, is near to me, uh, that He's unchanging? That his word is uh, without error. Um, you know, we have Titus. Titus uh, one nine says that, that God never lies, and mm-hmm. and this is a truth that that God has given to us. So God will never lie. He's unchanging. He's near to us. He cares for us, as we've talked about. He's near, but but he's also interceding for us. He invites us to come. Um, he's pleading the merits of his own, the treasure of his own blood before the Father for us, and he's inviting us to think think about these things and Mm -hmm. when i think about that jesus says that we're to love in in the great commandment he says one of the things is we're to love the lord our god with our mind yes how are we doing at 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 loving the lord with (laughs) our mind and using Mm -hmm. the mind 
to meditate, um, not just with our mind, not just, you know, thinking about it, but, but as we think about it, as we chew it over, it should, it should do something in our hearts. It, and the, and the Puritans like Thomas Watson, they talked about meditation like a fire. Um, it, it, uh, it, it warms the heart at, at like when you're before a fire, right? You get warmed. And this is what, uh, biblical meditation, according to Watson, would do for the Christian mm. is it would warm their hearts as they're chewing on the word of God and it will help them to stir their affections, their desire for God. And, um, we have these new affections. We have to train these, these yeah. new, new uh, desires that, that we've been given. And one mm. of the ways that God has given it to us, according to Paul, is to think about whatever's honorable and lovely and true and mm-hmm. pure and commendable if anything's worthy of praise and this is this is part of what paul is concerned with that in verse 9 he says practice these things and we're not, <laughs> this is amazing he says this is what we're to do but then he gives us the power supply at the very end he says the god of peace will be with you mm-hmm. i mean gosh so so we so we just talked about in verse 4 at the end the lord is at hand and then at the end of verse 9 he also gave us gospel hope and the God of peace will be with you. That's, that's what Jesus has done. He's given us peace that's made us right with God, but then he's also given us this peace, this practical peace that's being worked into our lives through the ministry of the Spirit. Um, and that's just amazing. And we need to remember, you know, also verse 10, you know, again, he says, I rejoice in the Lord. Um, he, he, you were concerned for me that, that he says there, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm being content. I mean, <laughs> gosh, when you, when you read that, that blows my mind because mm-hmm. I, I go to second Corinthians, I think it's 11. Um, and he says that he was shipwrecked and he was, uh, beaten within an inch of his life, 39 lashes, you know? I mean, I think 40 is dead. So, yeah, um, right. if I've, if I've read that right, but, um, I mean, here, you just think about that. Think about that. How, here's a guy who suffered immense pain. By the way, he, the Lord promised him, <laughs> you're going to suffer. Where's, where's that yeah. category in our, in our Christian life. Right, right. And he says, I have learned to be content and look at all it took to get him there. And I think that's so encouraging because Paul had to learn contentment and look at all that he knew and experienced. And, and, um, and so that should, that should lift up our hearts a little bit, um, that we can learn it. The journey of a lifetime. I was also thinking, Dave, of Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. Is that saying, uh, you are what you think on? Like you are what you eat? You are what you think about? What what was that passage? Uh, Proverbs twenty three seven. As a man thinketh in his heart, so shall he be. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that we think with yeah. we think in our heart. I mean, we think of uh, the gray matter and the brain cells that we have, and this is our thinking process. But the Bible alludes to the fact that we think with our in our hearts about something, and so shall we be. And I, um, I I don't know. I just wondered what you, if you had any thoughts on that particular uh, verse. Yeah. You are what you think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think you can say that because Jesus talks about that in in Luke six forty five. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And mm. so what what comes out of the heart, you know, it it's it shows what we really value, what mm-hmm. we really treasure. And of course, you know, idolatry is where we would find ultimate meaning and value and worth right. um, and that is over and against finding our ultimate satisfaction and joy 
in, in the peace of God that Christ has given to us and then that practical peace that he's being applied to our life through the ministry of the spirit. So I, mm-hmm. I think you're actually, I think that makes good. Um, um, you know, we, we, what we love the most, we treasure the most. And yeah. so whether that's, whether that's, you know, ask yourself the question again, you know, are you spending more time, um, memorizing, you know, sports facts and, and, uh, you know, uh, knitting or, uh, <laughs> you're on your TV show mm-hmm. or what, what, what even ask yourself a question when you look at your bank account? Here's a really convicting question. Yeah. Go to, go in, and who hasn't heard your pastor say this, right? Um, look at, go through your, go through your bank account <laughs> and just ask the question, Hey, what am I spending the money on the most? And, and, mm-hmm. and by the way, that's, that that can be a guilt question too, um, and I understand that right. because you can feel guilty because you're not spending enough on the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But but God gave you your necessities, right? He mm-hmm. He gave you money so that you could have you know food and shelter and those kind of things. The, the question isn't okay. I'm not giving enough. The question is how are you using the the stewardship that that God has given you to not just get buy a bunch of extra stuff, but also your necessities. So, so we don't want to guilt people. We have to be careful about that. But the question really is designed to, to ask the question, how am I doing with the stewardship, the money and the finances that right. God gave me and trusted to me as a stewardship? Or am I just blowing it, um, going out to eat and, and buying frivolous things yeah, and even yeah. things that I, that I might want, but aren't necessarily Right now, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that we can't ever get anything. You know, we can't have nice things or anything like that. Yeah. It just means like we have to ask questions and and um, assess. Okay, what is my motivation, in my heart? Because we we can too quickly, like you were talking about earlier, in in First Timothy um, six, you know, we, that we can start to love money more than we love God, and yeah. it is too easy. There's nothing wrong with having money. Right. There's nothing wrong right. with using that money to be a stewardship. The Bible has plenty to say about that, right. but but it's it's when it becomes a matter of hey, um, I'm loving money more than my the more than the God who saved me and the God who is it has secured my salvation mm-hmm. and, and the God who provides all of this abundant grace that's becomes the issue right um and we have to push back on on that side of thing but we also have to push back on some people who think i don't ever have to give so i don't ever have to have that conversation <laughs> and the bible never gives us a set amount that we're to give in second right. corinthians 8 and 9 he, he, instead it's a disposition of the heart it's a matter of hey you have been given this grace right. so are you going to give out of the abundance of, of what God has given. Are you going to cut that check and, um, to give to the work of the ministry? Um, and if not, then, then why? You know, you've been mm-hmm. given so much grace. And so, and a lot of Christians, they think, ah, I don't need to give. And, you know, that's prosperity gospel. But, but we have, so we have to push back on, on, on the other side of that and, and say, yeah, you do actually have to give. It's a matter of stewardship to your local church. Right, right. Um, and right. It, you know, not to mention, you know, Paul said that we're not to muzzle an ox and, and the idea was, <laughs> yeah. is that pastors and the uh, people in ministry, they're, they're devoting themselves to this. They're called to this office. Right. They're qualified. And right. so they're doing this work and they're worthy of our support. Right. And um, you have a building. I mean, it's cold up here. We can't meet in a tent. Um, and so it, it's impractical. It's, it's, it's your building too, everyone who attends. 
And so it's a matter of meeting the needs so that you do have a place uh, to gather. And speaking of giving, uh, Dave, I want to just throw one more thing out there. Sometimes when we are anxious and depressed about things, we can give ourselves away. And I think that's an excellent cure for anxiety, get our eyes off ourselves. Uh, death, dying to self is, a, is another big principle in the scriptures. Uh, during trials, uh, give ourselves away to other people, and we'll find that uh, sometimes the trial goes in the rearview mirror a little bit more. Uh, now, we only have about, uh, we just have a few minutes left, Dave, and I, it's just gone so fast, but what are your closing thoughts to encourage people who may be really struggling right now to the point of even giving up or just having a hard time? What would you say to that one? Well, friend, I, I, I do want to just speak directly to you. If, if you feel like today, right now, that you don't have hope, think about all the things that we just talked about. Think about the rich resources that you have in the Word of God that God has given to you. Um, it's been said that the Bible is a love letter from God, and that is so true because what we see, yes, we, we talk about, we can talk about sin, and there is, you know, sin that separates us from God, but this is what God did to deal with sin. He promised to send a redeemer in Genesis 3.15, a champion, one who would come and bleed and die for you in your place and for your sin. If you're in Christ, Colossians 1.13 tells you very clearly that God has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And you have hope, you have meaning, you have purpose, but it's not because of yourself. It's because of the perfect spotless righteousness of another um, and that that you have this hope that uh, Christ has won for you in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so you have every reason um, in the midst of whatever challenges you face, whether that's money, that's marital issues, that's anxiety, discouragement, whatever, mm-hmm. you you have hope, you have meaning. And, and I also want to say, you know, there's a lot of young people and others that are so discouraged by what's happening in our world today. Mm, yes. You have so much hope. So please, I plead with you. We, we need you today. We need you today. We need you. So don't give up. Don't give in and, and don't quit. Don't commit suicide. You have hope because of Christ. So I would plead with you right now uh, on the basis of Christ, uh, perfect spotless righteousness. Please do not give up and do not, do not quit and do not quit on the church. You know, you might have been hurt yeah. by the church. Um, you know, we're, we're all very imperfect in the church. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And I am so sorry if you've been hurt by the church. But Paul says in Ephesians 5 that the church is the one institution for which he bled and died for. It's, it's instrument A. It's uh, in the hands of God. Um, you know, resource ministries like this and Servants of Grace, they're great. But the local church is God's primary instrument agent mm-hmm. in the world to bring hope and the gospel and to make disciples. And so I would just plead with you, don't quit on the church. Don't quit uh, because you've been hurt by a pastor. I know that it hurts. I know that it, what it feels like. I've I've been there and done that. I've been doing this 24 years. I have the battle scars to prove it. <laughs> and, you know, but I've not given up on the church because I know and I have to remind myself, like I said, that this is the God's primary means, his instrument that he is using in the world mm-hmm. to bring sinners to himself through the preached word of God yes. and hope and make disciples. And so I just want to say that today. But I also know that there's a lot of hurting people. And so please take what we've talked about. Yeah. Take yourself by the hand. Get some help. Get some get some uh, be honest with yourself. Assess things, something. 
Dave, we, we have to end it today. You know, I know there's so much more we could say to people to be an encouragement. Thank you so much for being with us today. Contentment, the Journey of a Lifetime by Dave Jenkins, servantsofgrace.org. There are a lot of great resources there. I would encourage you and also to reach out to that ministry if you are struggling. Uh, that's it for today. We have Holly Pivick tomorrow, the NAR. We're going to talk to her. And next week we have uh, Andy Woods, Jeff Solwald, and much more. Uh, let me end with this. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6. Have a great day.